0: under the Jews a stumbling block. Under the Greeks foolishness. But under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin.
1: Okay, so everything we've been talking about is with reference to the last day and the latter day, and they all fit into the timeline. All right, so, so, I mean, God is really good about laying out the timeline. You don't want to violate the timeline. You want to be careful with however you put things together so that it doesn't violate the timeline. Um, As the age of the patriarchs drew to a close, Jacob called unto his sons... And said to gather yourselves together that I may tell you uh, what shall befall you in the last days. That was in Genesis 49 verses 1 through 2. And, And so he lays out to Israel what will befall them in the last days. It all points back to the tribulation, the second coming, the Jews, Israel. That's the relationship. It has nothing to do with us. So when someone says, are we in the last days? No, we're in the church age. Uh, Genesis 49, verse 1 and 2. Verses 1 and 2. So the terms last days and latter days in the New Testament do do not lose their Jewish connection, though at times they have some some relationship to the church. So that's important to, to keep in mind. So you have the Jews, which have a certain series of events that are specific to the Jews. Right, One being the tribulation. Okay, while we have nothing to do with the tribulation, so if I put the church here, while we have nothing to do with the tribulation, the rapture is before the tribulation. All right, so, so there's a relationship there. We don't go through the tribulation, but the tribulation doesn't start until we're taken out of the way. Now, both the Jew and the church are waiting for the second coming. But again, it's different. The church, we come with the Lord. Right? The Jew is waiting for the Lord. All right, so there, when we come back with the Lord... We're coming back into the tribulation period and that's when, the Lord, that's when the Lord is that stone who's going to come in and put an end to everything and then we're going to rule and reign with Christ. And, and that we're going to rule and reign with Christ. The Jews will be restored as head of the nations. Alright? Does that make sense? Everybody got that? Got it memorized? Look at 2 Timothy chapter t- uh, 3. So we're going to look at it in the New Testament now. And so what you want to look at is that, or or notice, is that it's still related to the Jews, though it may have, there may be some slight connection to the church. Ms. Monica, you have a question? How did I confuse you? So the, the point is that These two are are the last day and the latter days are for the Jews, right? It's a reference to the Jews, but some of the events surrounding the, the prophetic events that are meant for the Jews have some slight relationship to the church, such as the tribulation doesn't start until after the church is raptured. Right? So there's a relationship there though. The tribulation is not for the church, the, the tribulation can't begin until the church is gone, All right? Both Jews and, and the church are waiting for the second coming of Jesus Christ, right? All right, now, but they have different meanings for the church or for the Jews. For the church, we're coming with the Lord. As we've been raptured away, we're with the Lord in heaven. We're going through the judgment seat of Christ. We're being rewarded for our work or crying because it was all burnt up and we got nothing. One of the two, depending on how we approached life. Uh, but when the Lord comes back, we're coming with him at his second coming. Well, the Jew is going to be in the midst of the tribulation nigh on the death, having horrible things happen to them. And it's the Lord who comes back and smashes the Gentile powers and puts them down and establishes his kingdom. So the relationship is we're we're both waiting for the second coming, but it means two very different things to to the different groups. Does that make sense? All right. So the last day and the latter days, as we read it in the New Testament, it's still talking about the Jews, but there might be some relationship to the church. That's the point. Does that make sense? Uh, not their kingdom. The Lord's going to establish his kingdom with David as their head. So is that
2: the
1: kingdom? The millennium, no, the millennium kingdom will be established That within that millennium kingdom. That's the Lord's kingdom. David will be, will be put back on the throne. Israel will be head of the nations. They, they, they will head over all the nations. And then the church We will rule and reign with Christ. So Christ will be the head, the king, the king of kings. David will be put back on his throne. Israel will rule over the nations. We will be with Jesus, ruling and reigning with him. Everybody else will become to the temple to worship the Lord.
2: So if I get this right in Matthew, so
1: that's that's when the gospel of the kingdom will be? No. The gospel of the kingdom is the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. So there are five gospels in the Bible. This is off topic and I don't have time for it. You have um, the, the gospel of the kingdom. That's a reference to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus Christ is the king, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They rejected their king. We have no king but Caesar. We will not have this man to rule over us. Alright, so then they then in Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and the rest of the Bible until. The church is raptured. They preach the kingdom of God, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? All right. Then there's going to be an everlasting gospel during the tribulation. That's going to be preached by an angel telling you that the Lord Jesus Christ is returning. All right, so in the tribulation period, they're going to preach the everlasting gospel. And there's a fourth one. I can't think of what it is. My brain is pierced by the Muslims. So, so um, does, that make, does that answer your question? Does that make sense? The gospel of the kingdom of heaven was preached exclusively in Matthew. All right now, Matthew twenty-four talks about the the gospel of the kingdom being published in all the world, and so it does have a future context. Um, at the moment, I can't explain to you clearly what that context is, but though, though there's in between the, the the kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom of God. And the everlasting gospel. There's one other gospel. I just can't recall what it is. Alright? Okay. 2 Timothy 3 verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. People like to think we already have perilous times as they sit back in their air conditioning homes and eat pizza and matoke and watch TV and Look at Facebook. Oh, the times are so perilous. <laughs> um, so that's obviously a reference to something, something down the road. Um, look, look at Second Peter, and also get Jude. Second Peter, chapter three, and the book of Jude, chapter one. In case you were wondering. 2 Peter 3 and verse 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. Look at Jude um, 1 verse 18. Verse 18. uh, how How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. Now, some of this is so characteristic of our current day that people confuse it for for now. Well, there's evidence of it now, but 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 we're still talking about the tribulation, the last day, the latter time, the Jews, the time of Jacob's trouble. We're still talking about all of that. We're not. Uh, well, it's, it's 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 fun to preach now. <laughs> I mean, you start, start talking about scoffers and mockers, that's fun to preach on. But, it, but it's, not, it's not technically the context of, of the term last days, latter days, uh, uh, all of that. So we want to keep it in its context. James 5 and verse 3. Your gold and silver is cankered and the rest of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Yeah, have heaped treasure together for the last days. Uh, Has anybody here had their treasure eat their flesh? No, probably not. You might be saying, well, I don't have any treasures. (laughs) So it hasn't eaten my flesh. But there are lots of people who have treasure and it hasn't eaten their flesh. All right, so it's obviously... The point is that it's, there's a context to it. And it's the latter day, the last days, all of that. Future tribulation, judgment, all that good stuff. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John 2, verse 18. Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard, the Antichrist shall come... Even now are there many antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. So you see the connection to the antichrist. His point is that the last time, the culmination of it is going to be the rise of the antichrist in the tribulation dealing with the Jews. Um, The words of God's son shall have the preeminence over those words given to Moses and the prophets. Look at Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews 1 verse 2. Let's read verse 1 and 2. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time, pass unto the prophets by the... Fa- I, I have a hard time reading Hebrews chapter 1 because I memorized Hebrews chapter 1. And so when I try to read it, I'm not reading it. I'm just <laughs> like running, running. It's running through my head. Um, but, spake in time, pass unto the, unto the fathers by the prophets. So, it's a great preaching point. When the, when the Mormons come to you and say, have you heard what the prophet says? Why would I listen to your prophets? God spake in times past by the prophets. Uh, have you heard, heard heard the prophet Muhammad? Why would I be listening to your prophet? God spake in time past unto the fathers who your prophet hates <laughs> by the prophets. So I, I don't, why would I listen to anything your prophet has to say? when? When God spoke to the fathers, referring to the nation of Israel, in a letter written to the Hebrews, he spoke to them by the prophets. Right? That time is over. Verse two. Verse 2 tells us where it went. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. All right? So we listen to Jesus. We don't listen to your prophets. Uh, if those prophets... The prophets in the Bible who accurately prophesied of Jesus, we listen to them with the Word of God. But the Mormons, every few years—I forget how many years—it's like every two years or three years or five years, something like that—they they have a prophet. They meet in in Utah at a huge convention center. Our church goes there often and preaches to them because they they line up outside by the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, and where they're standing is just a big open area against a big concrete wall. So <laughs> they have nowhere to go. <laughs> so our, our church goes and just preaches to them. Um, but they go every so often and they listen to a new, another prophet tell them what their church now believes. All right, So every, every so often, you know, there's a great example. Mormons used to, I believe you could have eight wives in Mormonism. You had have multiple wives. I don't remember how many. I think it might be eight. You can't do that anymore. Just the prophet came and said, we're not going to do that anymore because the people we're trying to sell our religion to, they don't like the idea of you having eight wives. <laughs> so to make, it more, you, to make it more friendly, we're going to get rid of the eight, wife, eight wives thing. And there are still sects of, um, of Mormons who live in and around Utah and they still practice the old religion. So they've got like eight wives, six wives, seven wives, which is weird. I don't, I don't understand it. Also, they used to believe that they would have nothing to do with black people. So the next time you meet a Mormon in Uganda, ask them about what they used to believe about black people. Let's just see what they say. It was one of the most racist religions in existence. Well, America changed a lot over the years in terms of racism, <laughs> and so it no longer fit the, the narrative. So they, they had their prophet come and change that. <clears throat> Why not? You want to find out? You just stick your thumb in the air. Which way is the wind blowing? <laughs> we'll have the prophet come and speak in that direction. <laughs> and so, so that, that, that'll make a, a young, white, Mormon elder squirm really well. So the next time you see one, you ask him, so what did your religion religion used to teach about black people? And just see what he says. (laughs) Yeah, we have a new prophet. Well, we don't believe that anymore. But you used to. So you changed? Did God change it or did did, did you change it? How come you don't? I mean, what happened? You talk about getting uncomfortable. They start squirming and... Anyways. The Lamb of God shall be made manifest... First Peter, chapter one, first Peter, chapter one and verse 20. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in the last times for you. You know, it would be fun to do that in Africa. What would a Mormon be doing in Africa? You don't even like black people. So why are you here? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Help me understand that. All right. Uh, 1 Peter 1, verse 5. Salvation of God shall be revealed as well. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So, so you see we added another term, but they, they all fit together. Last time. So it's it's all that reference to the culmination of everything which will be during the tribulation period and wrapping up things with the Jews and salvation salvation being fully made manifest. All right, therefore the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had would begin with his present kingdom and then would extend out to the second coming of Christ. This is known as the time of the Gentiles and they must must Be fulfilled. Any questions before we move on? Everybody understands that perfectly. Mm -hmm. You have a quiz on it before the class is over.
2: Is uh, so? How do you differentiate uh, when uh, it's a reference to the Jews and a reference to the New Testament?
1: So the same way I did it here, you, you want to look at the context. Right? So if you, had a, if you had a mention of the last time, the, the last day, the latter day, and it, and it was talking about the tribulation period. Well, what does the tribulation period mean for the Jew and what does it mean for the church? For the Jew, it means it's the time of Jacob's trouble. You're going through that trouble, right? Well, not for the church. So, so it, at no point does it directly relate to the church. There's just occasionally some relationship there to the church.
2: No, I, I, no my reference is like, like for instance, in first uh, in Timothy mm-hmm. in 4, where it that the speech speaks expressly that in the last times, Palestine shall come. Mm-hmm. And so. Is that a reference to Jews or
1: yes. a reference to Yes. If, if the last last day, latter day or, or last time is mentioned, it's a reference to the Jews.
2: Because the description uh, of how he defined the last times in that, in that chapter is disobedience to the mothers and so hypocrisy and uh, I mean the, the, the kind of having a God, form of godliness but denying the power. So is that or to the tribulation
1: the age that we are living in right so this term is a reference to the jews in the last time in the last day all right now as you read the new testament apostles they often spoke of themselves who, who were jews as being in that time oh. right so so, it, 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 so you've got to look at each passage in the New Testament individually, and get the fuller, the, the fuller context of what, of what is what is being of what is being talked about. Does that make sense? Yeah,
2: that's what I was asking. Is that in the New Testament? Because all the the scriptures you quote, uh, you fact them as a reference to the last days of the Jews. Right. So when you read the New Testament, how do you appreciate that this scripture is a a reference
1: to the almost every one of them we talked about was. Right? So so listen to this. Perilous times shall come. That's Second Timothy 3:1. Uh men will be mocking and scoffing the doctrines of the Lord's return. Right? That's Second Peter three. That's Jude 18. Um, James five. It talks about the the rich men having treasures that eat their flesh. So that, I mean, that's, it's not talking about that as though it's a, a, an allegory of some sort. I mean, it, there's something taking place there in terms of judgment, which again is going to point to the last time. It's going to point towards the tribulation. When you get to Hebrews 1, 2, um, Hebrews 1, 1 Peter 1, uh, uh, Hebrews 1.2, 1 Peter 1.20, and 1 Peter 1.5 are, are, are all talking about the manifestation of salvation and the manifestation of Jesus Christ. All right, so, Hebrews is written to a group of Hebrews who are in horrendous trouble, and it's trying to remind them that, that you're, you're not supposed to be looking to the law of Moses. You don't flee from the salvation you have through Jesus Christ. You need to be looking for the coming of Jesus Christ, right? All right. So, so it's it's so all the New Testament references are not as clear specifically to the Jews as the Old Testament references. But you have to take each case in the New Testament and get the broader context of what's being talked about to see how it fits into th- this same narrative of talking about the last day and the latter days. Okay. So, so. We would have to go through every one of those in order to answer your question completely, we'd have to go through every one of those, pick the entire passage apart, and demonstrate how it points back to the Jews, which can be done, and I'm confident it does i have no i have no no doubt that it does, but we don't have time to do that right now <laughs> does that make does it answer your question partly, okay well. That'll be my new nickname, partly. Okay, now the fun part. Are there any more questions so far before we move on? No? All right, Daniel chapter 2. We're going to read verses 36 through 45. And then we'll see how much of this we can discuss tonight. Verse 36 This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings. For the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. All right, so remember, if we're following the timeline. We're 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 following the Bible as it lays out a prophetic timeline. Thou art the head of gold. So that means that this image and the, and the series of events that take place after it starts right now with Nebuchadnezzar. Right. All right. So as. As Daniel, as Daniel progresses through what's going to happen next, it begins with Nebuchadnezzar. Um, back to verse 30, 39. Yeah. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee. Now that's interesting. All right, so the head of gold is going to be overtaken by an inferior kingdom, which ends up being the silver, which ends up being Medo-Persia. All right. Um, And after these shall another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay." And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. Now, we're going to talk about this in detail, but I I want to plant something in your mind now. It said that fourth kingdom was iron, right? But then after it would be a kingdom that was part iron and part miry clay. Because in this kingdom would be the strength of the iron. Right? Is that what it says? It does not say this kingdom is a revival of this kingdom. It says that the strength of the kingdom of iron can be found In the kingdom of iron mingled with miry clay. All right, I'm just putting the idea in your head so as we go and we look at it, you can can choose for yourself. You can make sense of it yourself. This is going to be those 10 kings from the 10 toes. All right, let's continue. Back to verse 40. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron. For as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay, and as the toes and the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle, they shall mingle themselves. Everybody see that? Okay, so let's, before we continue again. Whoever this is, all right? A, it calls them they, right? Mm-hmm. They will mingle with the seed of men. Mm-hmm. Meaning what? Marrying them. All right, So, so if what they're mingling with are the seed of men what are they not they're not the seed of men everybody see that all right so if w- whatever this is they're going to mingle with this which means they are not this
0: <laughs>
1: we're we're going to get there just I just want to highlight the idea as we go. Remember, you lay, listen, so stay with me. Remember, you lay out the facts. Have I altered anything? I've just simply stated what it said. It says, this iron mingled with clay, mingled itself with the seed of men right okay why would it specifically say that the iron mingled with the seed of men because whatever this is it's not men is that reasonable i don't know that's an interesting suggestion but but we're going to we're going to run the cross references and see what the bible suggests Okay, let's continue, if you dare. (laughs) Back to verse 42, let's read it again. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. But they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. They're going to mingle their seed together, but it's not going to work out well. It's going to have the strength of the iron, but it's going to have the... It's going to be us. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to have the frailty of man. And so it's just, it's just not going to be a good mixture, whatever that is. Verse 44. And in the days of these... Kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out uh, out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver. And the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain and the interpretation thereof, sure. Daniel didn't say, I'm still working on certain aspects of it. He said, no, this is the dream. I'm certain. And this is the interpretation. It's sure. It's what God showed me. It's what God's trying to show you. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar would do better to forget his dream and just listen to Daniel. <laughs> because what Daniel is saying is not only the dream, but it's the interpretation of it. It's, it's better. It's more. It's, it's, it's clear. All right. Now we have the interpretation of the dream. This is, this is essential to prophecy. Certain dominion was promised to Israel Through David and Solomon. And that dominion will eventually be realized. Look at Psalm 89. Psalm 89. And we'll read verses 3 through 4. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David, my servant. Thy seed will I establish forever and build upon thy throne to all generations. Selah. Again, this is another, it's an interesting idea. We, we don't have time to dive too deep into it. But when the Lord Jesus Christ reestablishes Israel, David will be put back on the throne, literally, physically. Right? So it's not a lot of times it's taught that Jesus as a representative of David will be put back on the throne. But no, it's going to be David himself put back on the throne. Jesus Christ is going to be the king, king of kings. David will be put back on on the throne of David. Israel will rule and reign over the nations. All right? I don't have time to prove all that to you tonight. Yes. (laughs) Just like your real body will be resurrected. So it's it's not that much of a stretch. The Lord can do it. I promise. Uh, But anyways, sometime we'll look at that, but I don't have time to go through it all tonight. Look Look at verses 27... Through 36. Uh, Psalm 89, 20, 27 through 36. Verse 27 Also, I will make him my firstborn, higher than the kings of the earth. My mercy will I keep for him forevermore, and my covenant shall stand fast with him. His seed also will I make to endure forever, and his throne as the days of heaven. If his children forsake my law and walk not in my judgments, if they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then will I visit their transgression with a rod. No, thank you. (laughs) And their iniquity with stripes. Verse 34 or uh, verse 33. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, nor nor suffer my faithfulness to fall. My covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness that will that I will not lie unto David. Now, what did he promise David? Look at the next verse. His seed shall endure forever and his throne as the sun before me. It shall be established forever as the moon and as a faithful witness in heaven. Selah. All right. Look at um, Psalm 72. And we, we looked at it a couple weeks back. Every time you go through Daniel, what, what, what's, the, what's the, the key word to the book of Daniel? Dominion. dominion. What did God promise David and Solomon? He promised them dominion forever. 72 verse 1. Give the king thy judgments, O God, and thy righteousness unto the king's son. Look at uh, verse 11. Yea, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. That's going to happen. It hasn't happened yet. It's, it's going to happen. Um, this dominion was Israel's to have, but faithfulness was a prerequisite if you want something from God you want God's blessings your faithfulness is a prerequisite right God, God has there's a base level of blessing that we all get from God despite no matter how we act but there there are blessings over and above all of that that God would like to give to you that are all based on your willingness to be faithful to God and if you refuse to be faithful to God then you just get nothing. you end up like Israel in captivity. <laughs> The rod and stripes, because your father loves you and wants to correct you. <laughs> um, I would rather try my best not to be corrected by him. Now, Solomon traded his glory in exchange for certain temporal pleasures. As a result, the nation was split into two kingdoms, and each kingdom, a series of evil kings, would ascend the throne. This would continue until the days of Jehoiakim, when the Lord would determine there was no longer any remedy. Who remembers where that is in the Bible? The Lord said, in the days of Jehoiakim, there was no longer any remedy. Yes. (laughs) 2 Chronicles 36. Very good. Judah was taken into Babylon. Now, Israel Israel, the northern kingdom, was already taken captive in Assyria. Judah was taken into Babylon... With this, the time of the Gentiles will begin. Israel was temporarily stripped of the worldwide dominion God had planned for them. The place of ruler of the world was passed on to Nebuchadnezzar. Dominion will remain in the hands of the Gentiles until the God of heaven shall set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. All right. The interpretation of the dream. The head of gold is the Babylonian kingdom. Nebuchadnezzar is their king. The arms and chest of silver, Medo Persia, which began with Cyrus. Um, The abdomen of brass is the Grecian Empire, that's Greece. Now, he's not named in the Bible, but historically, the king of Greece who took Persia was Alexander the Great. Um, The legs of brass were the Roman Empire. Eventually, the Grecian Empire just dissipated. It, 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 it fell and Rome rose and, and became, and became the, the world power. These are the primary four kingdoms that have come and gone. There are yet kingdoms to come. The fifth kingdom is the feet and toes of clay mingled with iron. The sixth kingdom is the stone cut without hands. This image gives us a visual of the start of, of the end of the, Gent- of the time of the Gentiles. Look at um, Luke twenty one twenty four again. I know we've looked at it before, but just for the fun of it, let's look at it again. Let's stir up our pure minds by way of remembrance. Luke 21, verse 24. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until... The times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. The Bible also says it must be fulfilled. Hosea 3. We already read that. So it's Hosea 3 verses 3 through 4. They shall abide many days without a king, without a prince, without a sacrifice. That's going to continue until the Lord comes back. The time of the Gentiles began when Judah was taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar. This time period will continue until Christ returns to establish his kingdom on earth. Now, notice again, the existence of the time of the Gentiles have nothing to do with the church. Right? The church is going to both come and go during the time of the Gentiles. It changes nothing. It doesn't come to an end until Jesus Christ comes at his second coming. Right? Everybody got that? The church is taking in the rapture. Time of the Gentiles is still going. After the rapture, then the ten toes come out. Those are the ten kings. That's the iron mixed with miry clay. Then, some point after that, the Lord Jesus Christ will return, and that'll be his full second coming when he will establish his kingdom on earth. All right. um, The time of the Gentiles have proven to be a period in which man exalts himself. Okay, so this will be good. We'll finish this section, and then we'll pick up with the empires next week. Uh, the sense in
2: which it was used, that is the verse number 43. 43 of for uh, Daniel 2? Word, yeah. So he uses the
1: word,
2: uh, men with themselves. So, and then the verse uses the word, Please. So, I wanted to know, I want to know if uh, he uses it in the sense of just staying together or in the sense of marrying each other. So, I, I want you to really appreciate uh,
1: that. Well, there, there's no, there's no way I would, be, you know, so there's no indication of marriage necessarily. Um, so, so this is going to relate back to the sons of, when we get to this, just to again, put the idea in your head so you can be thinking about it. This is going to take us back to Genesis when the sons of God took, began to take unto themselves the daughters of men. All right, so that's, that's the connection. That, that's what it seems to be insinuating. And then after, after that odd connection of the sons of God, which are, which are fallen angels, linking up with the daughters of men, giants were born in the earth. Right? And so we're going to trace those giants all through the Bible because they show up several times. So we're going to look at that and then we're going to trace it all through the Bible. And so it looks like it's going to be a, re- a repeat of that. Every time those giants show up, God destroys them. God himself brings an end to it. So, so, uh, so it looks like what it looks like is these ten kings are going to be, to some extent, fallen angels. They're going to mingle, mingle themselves with the seed of men. They'll produce giants in the earth, and just like every other time those giants were produced in the earth, God himself is going to come back and put them down.
2: So then that, that means what you So that means the... the, the uh, so it is, it is... Because I was thinking, well, asking that question. I wanted to know if is it is just
1: It doesn't right. It doesn't say. It says they mingled themselves, which the intent is going to be some sort of sexual relationship, whether they got married or. I mean, it doesn't say, Um, and then and then, but but it doesn't cleave together like it doesn't stay. It's it's problematic. It ends up being problematic, essentially. Again, we don't have a whole lot of detail. The Bible doesn't give us a ton of detail, but it produces something that the Lord Jesus Christ himself comes back to put down. Well, the Genesis flood, um, the Lord sent out David to take out Goliath. He said, you're going to know that there's a... a," And and Goliath was a small giant compared to the the other giants in the Bible. Uh, Gog, or um, what's his name? King of Bashan, I can't think of his name. Um, anyways, the king of Bashan, his bed was 14 feet long. David was about 10 feet tall. So, the, 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 the further back you go, the bigger these giants are. The further towards us you come, the smaller they are. Then they've been eradicated by God because every time they show up in the Bible, God sends somebody to destroy them or God himself comes and destroys them. And, Then they're going to show up again in the latter days in the tribulation. And the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back and put it down. Okay, so that's the quick summary. Uh, We got six minutes. Let me run through this real quick. And then we'll go through all that in detail next week. All right. All right. The times of the Gentiles have proven to be a period in which man exalts himself. Nebuchadnezzar set up a golden image of himself. (laughs) Um, Darius. "...demanded all men in his kingdom pray to him for a period of time. The Antichrist will set up an image and require it to be worshipped. In between, atheists worship men, television exalts men, music praises men, and the church, full of men, have the Lord on the outside of the door knocking to come in. Thus we have an image that starts with gold and then degenerates into iron mixed with clay." And from head to toe, it exalts men. The kingdom of heaven. As you will see through the course of this study, the primary focus of this dream is, is the kingdom of heaven. I think I actually put the kingdom of God here, but it's the kingdom of heaven. From the head, Babylon, Babylon, until we get to the Roman Empire, the Lord is directing which kingdom comes after the other. But it is during the Roman Empire that the Messiah comes and dies on the cross. His death brings a complete end to the Old Testament and begins the New Testament. With this, there is a pause on the Lord's dealings in political matters, such as dominion and kings. Now, I, I don't mean that to, to say, Start turn to a Matthew 11 while I make this statement. What I don't mean that is that God has absolutely no say in what's happening in political matters whatsoever. I, I don't think that's the case. But... When we read through Daniel 9, God is saying it will be Babylon, then it will be Medo-Persia, then it will be Grisha, then it will be Rome. And then he doesn't do that again until we get to, to the 10 kings in the tribulation period. So he gives us no indication of what his, of, his, of his directing kingdoms during the church age. He doesn't seem to be involved politically. Now, that doesn't mean he's completely removed from it, but that's not what—that's not his focus. His focus is you and me preaching the gospel. His focus is the church. Right? So his focus is not establishing kings, setting up governments. That's not his plan. That's not what he's doing right now. Now, he'll return to that when these men show up, and he's going to establish his own kingdom through the Lord Jesus Christ and his millennial kingdom. All right. Everybody see that? Or understand what I'm saying. Uh, Matthew 11. Look at Matthew 11. Let's read verse 11 and 12. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. Okay, so, so the implication is, from Babylon to Rome, I directed those kingdoms. I said specifically, which kingdom would follow the other. From the death of Christ until the rapture of the church, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Whoever's the strongest, whoever's the most violent, that's who's going to be in charge. everybody see that? All right, so then, the church is raptured, these ten kings show up, we're back to God's political plan. God said these ten kings would come, and then his son would come and smash the image and destroy all Gentile power. Alright, make sense? Okay, good. Alright, just a few more notes and then we'll be done tonight. With the coming of John the Baptist, a change was marked. At this point, the Lord is not directing which kingdom will come after the Roman Empire. Instead, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. These battles between kingdoms are the position uh, for the position of head over the kingdom of heaven will continue until the church is taken away. When the church is taken away, the tribulation will begin. And during the tribulation, the 10 kings represented by the 10 toes will emerge. This demonstrates a return to the, to the Lord's dealings with political matters. But the ten kings will be revealed only to have a stone cut without hands return and destroy Gentile powers and dominion.
0: We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteusredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.